You know, sometimes it's the little words that ask the big questions, isn't it? Those little words that take you deeper than you ever thought you would go. Those times when you learn more than you could have expected. Little questions may even change the way you understand something. Especially little words like W-H-Y. Why? Why? Sometimes we ask that question for information. We ask it for explanation. We ask it when we're searching for meaning. We ask it when we're touched by a blessing. In so many circumstances of our lives, we end up asking the question, why? I just want to understand a little better. I asked that question this past week as I began preparing the message for this morning. You know, for me, the Lord's Supper is one of the most precious things we do together as a church. And when I'm preparing my messages, I want it to be something that really speaks to the hearts of God's people. The story of the Lord's Supper is told in three of the four Gospels. Matthew, Mark, and Luke all record the instances of the Lord's Supper. Now, John talks a lot about what happened in the upper room but he doesn't have a Lord's Supper description. And as I was reading through those three different versions of the Lord's Supper, those of Matthew, Mark, and Luke, I discovered something. Maybe for the first time I asked the question, why? Because two of those Gospels contain a quote from the Lord Jesus Christ. And as far as I know, I've never heard anybody preach a message that answered the question, why? For that thing that meant so much that both, uh, both Matthew and Mark felt that they should include that question, uh, that statement in their Gospels. And this is the statement that Jesus gave. He said, I say unto you, I will not drink of the fruit of the vine from now on until that day when I drink it new with you. In my father's kingdom. And as I read that statement, I asked the question why? Why did Jesus say that? What made it so important to the apostles that they wanted to record it in their gospels, that it was an unforgettable statement from the upper room? And I'll tell you what, it took me on a journey this week as I began to explore and ask that question, why was Jesus so intent on saying to them, I'll not drink of the cup again until we drink it together in the kingdom? And let me share, you what I, share with you what I discovered as we prepare ourselves to share the Lord's Supper this morning. This is what I discovered, that the Passover observance in the days of Jesus, and for that matter, today as well. The observance of the Passover doesn't just involve the sharing of a single cup across the course of the Passover feast. In fact, across the course of the Passover feast, four cups were involved in what Jesus and his apostles were doing. And at particular moments at each time during the observance of the Passover, they would share in each of those cups together. 
And I want to share with you what each of those four were all about. What did they mean? What were they symbolizing? And when they shared them together, what was it that was going on between Jesus and his apostles that led them to that final statement? So I want you to join me as we walk through the four cups of Passover and discover what Jesus was doing as he prepared his apostles and as they would transform the Passover into the Lord's Supper that we will share today. When the Jews practiced Passover, they knew that the four cups were connected to a single passage about that time when God redeemed his people, that time of the Exodus. And it's recorded in Exodus 6, 6 through 8. And this is the passage that Passover revolved around. Therefore, say to the children of Israel, I am the Lord. I will bring you out from under the burdens of the Egyptians. I will rescue you from their bondage. And I will redeem you with an outstretched arm and with great judgments. I will take you as my people and I will be your God. And then you shall know that I am the Lord your God who brings you out from under the burden of the Egyptians. And I will bring you into the land which I swore to give to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And I will give it to you as a heritage. I am the Lord. The first cup of Passover was called the cup of sanctification. It was uh, served as the feast was about to begin. Before anything else took place during Passover, they would share together in the cup of sanctification. It was based on God's promise that we just read in Exodus 6.6. I will bring you out from under the burden of the Egyptians. The cup of sanctification was a reminder of how the first Passover was instituted by Moses just before the final plague. Just before the angel of death would make his way throughout the land of Egypt and God would deliver his people. There came that moment when Moses would institute the observance of Passover. You remember what he told the, uh, the Hebrews. They were to sacrifice a lamb and to put some of the blood on their doorways in order to escape the angel of death. And then Moses told his people that they were to eat the lamb, the bitter herbs, and the unleavened bread. But they were to do so while they were standing up with a belt on their waist, with sandals on their feet, and a staff in their hand. Moses was preparing them... Uh, to be ready, be ready for what God is about to do. Don't sit down, don't sit back. You wait, God's about to act. Sanctify yourself to the Lord so that when the time comes, you'll be ready to move. When Jesus and his disciples shared the first cup, that cup of sanctification, it was a time of spiritual preparation. It was the time when God would say to his people through the Passover, get ready, be prepared, don't wait until it's too late. Be sure that you are ready for what God is about to do. And so are we to partake in the Lord's Supper. We're to prepare ourselves spiritually for what is about to happen. One of two things will happen in your life as you share the Lord's Supper today. One thing is not very much. And not very much will happen in your life if you come to the Lord's Supper and the truth is you haven't done anything 
to prepare yourself to receive the cup and the bread. If it's just one more thing you do at church every now and then and they'll pass it by and when it comes you will eat it and you will drink it and then you'll just go on home and nothing really happened in your life. That's one thing that can happen. But the other thing that can happen is if you take some time and you set yourself apart and you sanctify the Lord and remember who he is and prepare your heart to share in the Lord's Supper. That's what Jesus had his disciples do at the very beginning of Passover. Let's take a few minutes. Let's remember who we are. Let's remember where we came from. Let's remember what God has done for us. Let's remember that once we were slaves, but God rescued us redeemed us and brought us to himself take a few moments and sanctify yourself it's that first cup that would cause Paul to write later in 1 Corinthians but let a man examine himself and so let him eat of the bread and drink of the cup when we share in the Lord's Supper there's some quiet moments that you're going to have an opportunity to take advantage of you know what I'm talking about That time as our deacons will begin to distribute the bread and as they will share the cup and you'll have a few moments while our instruments will be playing softly and you have a few minutes to make sure your heart is ready for what God is doing. It'll be a time for you to look at your heart and ask yourself, is there some sin that needs to be confessed? Have I become too casual in my relationship with the Lord? Is there something I need to do to make sure my heart is ready? And then I'll take the Lord's Supper. The first cup was a cup that said to God's people as they began to prepare uh, to participate in Passover, sanctify the Lord. Make your heart right with him. There was a second cup that Jesus and his disciples would share. It was called the cup of deliverance. As the Passover meal commenced, it began with the story of how God rescued his people from Egypt. Every time they shared in the Passover, they wanted to make sure that everybody in the family, everybody gathered around the table understood, this is why we do this. This is what this feast is all about. Exodus 6, 6 recorded that promise. I will rescue you from their bondage. That is the bondage of the Egyptians. The Lord wanted his people to remember that once they had been enslaved, but God had rescued them from their captivity. And as they shared the second cup, they fulfilled the command of Exodus 13. So it shall be when your son asks you in times to come saying, what is this? That you shall say to him, by strength of hand, the Lord brought us up out of Egypt, out of the house of bondage. The Lord's Supper is that time when we remember the power of sin. When we recognize the hopelessness of lostness. When you remember what it is like to be in bondage to the power of the devil. As we remember what happened in the upper room 
how Jesus would gather his disciples around a table and talk to them about what it meant that he would shed his body, give his body and shed his blood. That was a time when we remember this is what the Lord has done for us. When you share in the Lord's Supper, you remember your sin, your lostness, your brokenness. And you remember again, and there was nothing I could do to help myself. I was in bondage, and the Lord delivered me. We remember it was the perfect sacrifice that delivers us from the power of sin. I love the way Colossians describes it. He has delivered us from the power of darkness and conveyed us into the kingdom of the Son of His love in whom we have redemption through His blood, the forgiveness of sin. What a powerful passage on a day when we share the Lord's Supper to remember He has conveyed us. He conveyed us from the kingdom of darkness to the kingdom of God. And He did it through His body and His blood. Never forget that the Lord Jesus gave Himself to deliver you from the power of hell and to open the doors of heaven for all who believe. It was the cup of deliverance. The third cup they shared was called the cup of redemption. The Lord promised in Exodus, I will redeem you with an outstretched arm and with great judgments. Then you shall know I am the Lord your God who brings you out from under the burdens of the Egyptians. This cup was one that they would consume together as they Partake, partook of the sacrificial lamb and the bitter herbs. As during Passover, they received the same meal that the Hebrews had received on the night that God delivered them. This cup of redemption was a reminder that the exodus was the direct result of God's saving action. From sending the plagues to parting the Red Sea to guiding his people with a cloud by day and a pillar of fire by night, to providing manna to eat and water springing from a rock, God and God alone redeemed his people time and time and time again. By transforming Passover into the Lord's Supper, Christ reminds us that we are redeemed by his direct action to take our sins to the cross. Your salvation is impossible without his broken body and spilled blood becoming the perfect sacrifice. When I read that passage in Exodus where the Lord says to his people, I will redeem you with an outstretched arm, I cannot help but think of the cross when Christ redeemed us with his own outstretched arms as he gave his life for you and me. I believe it was the cup of redemption that was on the Lord's mind when he prayed in the garden, Oh, my Father, if it's possible, let this cup pass from me. But it was his willingness to become that perfect sacrifice that allowed him to say, Nevertheless, not as I will, but as you will. 
And when we share the Lord's Supper, we remember the body and the blood of Jesus Christ purchased, uh, forgiveness purchased through the cross. Then there was a fourth cup that Passover called for. This was called the cup of praise or the cup of promise. They would share this cup at the conclusion of the Passover feast. It was shared as a remembrance that the Lord always keeps his promises. In Exodus 6, before they ever began their journey, before the Ten Commandments had been given or 40 years of wilderness wandering had taken place, God was already making a promise in Exodus 6 as he said, I will bring you into the land which I swore to give to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and I will give it to you as a heritage. I am the Lord. What was God saying to his people? He was saying, I will be with you all the way home. I will be with you as you make your journey toward the promised land. They shared the cup of praise to remember that God always keeps his promises. We just heard about that in our children's message this morning. They looked back to when God gave them the promised land and remembered his faithfulness. In the Passover, it was about looking back to remember. But Jesus did something astounding in the upper room. He took something that meant look back and he turned it into look forward. When God's promises will be ultimately fulfilled, the cup of promise is the one Jesus said, I'll not drink this. I'll not drink this until we drink it together. My Father's kingdom. Jesus was looking ahead to the day when everyone who belongs to Christ will gather at the table of the Lord. And on that day, he'll share that cup when the cup of promise becomes the cup of fulfillment. And God's people know that they are forever with the Lord. When we share in the Lord's Supper, we remember his promise of eternal life to all who believe. And that's why the Bible says, for as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death. Until he comes. Until everything is fulfilled. This morning I invite you to join me at the table of the Lord. This is for everyone who names the name of Jesus as Savior and Lord. The Lord's Supper doesn't require four cups, only a single cup. But each of them are represented in the cup that we will share. It is a cup of sanctification. It is a cup of deliverance. It is a cup of redemption. It is a cup of promise. We share the bread and we share the cup and we remember his command. Do this in remembrance of me. So I invite you to join me at the table of the Lord. You who have given your hearts to Christ and trust him as your Savior. Who recognize this is exactly what happened in my life. I want you to share. And as you share, remember. This is the one who loved you. 
delivered you, redeemed you, and will claim you for his own. Let me invite our deacons to come, and we'll prepare to share in the Lord's Supper. Come to the table of the Lord. Come not because you are strong, but because you are weak. Come not because any goodness of your own gives you a right to come, but because you need mercy and help. Come because you love the Lord a little and would like to love him so much more. Come because he loved you and gave himself for you. Lift up your hearts and minds above your cares and fears. And let this bread and wine be to you the token and pledge of the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the fellowship of the Spirit, all meant for you if you will receive them in humble faith. Paul wrote, For I received from the Lord that which I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus, in the night in which he was betrayed, took bread. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you for the bread that we are about to share, remembering it as the symbol of the body broken for us. Remembering, Lord, that it is unleavened bread, just like the Passover, because it's a reminder that the God who stepped in and saved his people so long ago steps in and saves people today. Thank you, Father, for the broken body. Bless it as we receive it. In Jesus' name, amen.